Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. So did you get your Bible tonight? Let's get started this evening. I'm going to answer a couple questions tonight. We're continuing our series uh, in prophecy. <clears throat> um, those of you that are faithful attenders this past two months or so, you know that we've been talking about prophecy. We've been covering Ezekiel uh, and the prophecies about Gog and Magog. Who are these people? Who are these countries? And it lists all those countries and, and where are they and we, we just used common sense and, and just looked at what the Bible said about where they were and who they are and what people they were. And so we did, a, I think, a pretty thorough look at, really, Ezekiel 36, 37, and 38. I felt that it was pretty thorough. Um, we talked about Israel. We talked about uh, the prophecies concerning Israel, how those have all come true, and when these things are going to happen. So uh, if you missed Campfire Church this summer... You missed some really, really, really good studies about prophecy. I'm just saying it. It, just, it was just really good. So I actually wasn't going to do this uh, anymore on prophecy, but then with all the craziness and the war breaking out in Israel, um, people ask, well, what about Gaza? And I was like, uh, Gaza? I don't know. I think it's in the Bible. Um, and I had to kind of pause for a second and just kind of think, is Gaza in the Bible? And it is in the Bible, but you have to kind of study it a little bit because it's kind of one of those things you got to kind of think about, well, is it really there? And so here's, here's three questions I'm going to try to answer tonight, uh, if I can move quickly. The uh, first question I'm going to try to answer tonight is, what exactly does the Bible say about Gaza's past and its future? Okay? Uh, a pastor friend of mine had, had done a study on this, and it was emailing me and said, hey, this is some cool stuff. Uh, second, is this uh, war in Gaza part of the end times prophecy? Okay, that's a good question. The third question is, uh, I don't know if we'll have time for this, I'll be honest, but what about Psalms 83? Um, people ask about Psalms 83 and, and what does that have something to do about the war in Gaza? Um, is it prophetic? That's kind of a question people ask. Is Psalms, Psalms um, 83 prophetic? So we'll look at it. Let's start off tonight with just talking about Gaza real quick. Can I see a picture of the map? I showed this in our class the other day, Sunday school class. So here we have the beautiful state of Wisconsin. Um, and inside of this map, you see here is Israel, okay? So here's Egypt, there's Jordan, Lebanon, Syria. Um, so look at, here's from the top of Israel to the bottom of Israel. Israel easily fits into Wisconsin. Um, Israel is about six times smaller than Wisconsin. So um, that kind of gives you an idea. So when we talk about going on an Israel trip, and as of right now, as of today, we're still going on the Israel trip. Um, ask me again in December. But as of right now, we're still going to go to Israel in February. Um, we travel a lot, and we can, you know, we could go here to there with no problem at all. You know, imagine going from, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Rhineland or up to the North Shore or up to the UP. You know, it's, it's just not that big of a deal. So you can drive all around Israel, and it just doesn't take long, and you can see an awful lot of sights. Most of the sightseeing we do is, is like from here up, okay, here to here. Well, actually, we go all the way up to the end, the Golan Heights, but we really don't go down here too much because there's just nothing down there. Um, take a look at the next map right here is Gaza. So in case, in case uh, you're not really familiar with the, with the lay of the land and, and maybe haven't been really looking at the news, sometimes they just assume everyone knows where it's at. 
So here's Israel. This area is called the West Bank. It's part of Israel, but it's just called the West Bank. A lot of Palestinians live there. There's no border to get through, really. Uh, but then you get to Gaza, this little chunk of land down here, right up next to Egypt, okay, the Sinai. Um, and it, it borders the water on the one side, borders Egypt there on the south side. And just a chunk of land, not, not too wide, I don't know, five, ten miles wide maybe, uh, I don't know, 50 miles, not even probably long. Um, so it's just not that, not, that, uh, not that big of an area uh, that's known as Gaza. And uh, that does have a wall around it. You can't get in. <laughs> they can't get out either. It's just, it's just rough. Um, and it, 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 I actually looked at it. Now, the best I could see is about 20 times in the Bible that Gaza is mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I didn't realize it was 20 times. So, but most of the time it mentions Gaza in the Bible. It's, um, it's referring to how wicked it is. <laughs> Things haven't changed in 2,000, 3,000 years. Uh, how wicked the leaders are uh, and how much the people in Gaza and the leadership in Gaza, how much they hate Israel and how much they hate the Jewish people. So when we look at Gaza in the Bible, we see, oh man, this is a mess. That's what we see. It's just, this is like, oh boy. And over and over again, God, God sends his prophets to warn uh, the people of Gaza of, of judgment coming and telling them to get straight. And it kind of just seems like nothing has really changed too much. So the first time we see Gaza, if you've got your verse sheets there, uh, that'll help out. If not, you can look on the screen. The first time we see Gaza in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 10. Uh, look at verse 19. I'm not going to look at all the times it's mentioned, but some of the keynote uh, times. And the board of the Canaanites was from Sidon, as thou comest to Gerar, unto Gaza, as thou goest unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, Adma and Zebulun, even unto Lashes. So um, this is a, uh, an area that's described uh, a part of the, uh, of the land that's occupied by the Canaanites. Who are the Canaanites? I know a lot of time we talk about these different people in the Bible and you don't really know who they are. Well, simply put, the Canaanites are like the mortal enemies of God, okay? The Canaanites, just, just not, a good, not a good situation, just not a good thing. Um, let's see. Uh, we, we're going to look down more in Scripture. Um, it's listed as the base camp of the Philistines. And we won't look at that verse right now, but so the Philistines, when we think of the Philistines, what's the famous story we think about the Philistines? Someone help me out. David and Goliath. Where was Goliath from? He was from Philistines, right. So um, they were always constantly attacking. They're always taking care of the Jews. Uh, Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1, look at verse 18. And Judah took Gaza with the coast thereof. And Ascalon with the coast thereof, and Ekron with the coast thereof. Verse 19. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountains, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. So uh, we see it all throughout Scripture a lot of times that God's directing the armies, the Israelites, uh, especially those, I think, with, with Judah, to take care of Gaza, conquer Gaza. And we know that it happens numerous times. Um, later on in Judges, we see uh, the story of Samson. Do you remember the story of Samson? Samson and Delilah, right. We know that story. Uh, your kids probably know it. Very famous story. Uh, Samson had an awful lot of problems, didn't he? Boy, Samson, just a messed up guy. He had a lot of character problems. But it's interesting. At the end of, end of Samson's life, what happens? Well, God uses him to go where? Into Gaza. 
and he, he destroys the, the, the wicked leaders, destroys the temple there. Um, of course, it cost him his life too, but that's where Samson was. He was in Gaza. Um, if we go over to Jeremiah chapter 47, uh, let's see, one of the pharaohs there of, uh, of Egypt conquers Gaza. Oh, that's kind of interesting because if you were to read the story, we won't for the sake of time. It, it begins what a very long, complicated relationship that Gaza had with Egypt at that time. Interesting to note, today Gaza still has a very interesting relationship with Egypt. It's like, these are Arabs, you know what I'm saying? These are, these are people that Egypt should be welcoming with open arms, but there's still a border. Think about, think about uh, the whole thing that's going on with the war. Israel is, is the only country that would tell their enemy, we're attacking you, you need to leave. <laughs> like, we're giving you time to go. And so everyone flees south, and what was the problem? Egypt's got the doors locked. You can't come into our country. Well, wait a second. Why not? I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, these are your same people. So it's always been a weird relationship between Egypt and Gaza. It's still complicated. Um, how about the prophet Amos? Uh, he was told to write about the wickedness of Gaza and the divine judgment that was coming. Take, take a look at Amos chapter 1, verse 6. Thus says the Lord for, these, uh, for three transgressions of Gaza... And for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because, thou, because they carried away cap, uh, captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. Look at verse 7. But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, which shall devour the palaces thereof. Um, God also told Zephaniah in Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 4, he was a prophet. He was warning them of judgment that was coming to Gaza and the nearby cities. For Gaza shall be forsaken and Ascalon a desolation. They shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday and Ekron be rooted up. He also talked to the prophet Zechariah in chapter 9 verse 5. Ashkelon shall see it and fear. Gaza also shall see it and be very sorrowful. And Ekron for her expectation shall be ashamed. And the king shall, uh, and the king shall perish from Gaza. And Ashkelon shall not be inhibited. So, um, it's just an awful lot of times that when you're reading about Gaza, it's like, we're coming there and we're taking care of you and you're going to be wiped out and, and all these problems. It just has not ever been a good situation. It's just never been good. There is one positive thing, maybe it's more, but I found one positive thing that happened in Gaza. Not every time in the Bible it's been bad, but there's one positive reference to Gaza, and it's in the New Testament, and oh man, you have your verse sheets, you're cheating. Does anyone guess what a positive reference to Gaza is in the New Testament? Right, so you guys know that because I gave you the verses. See, you wouldn't have known that, but <laughs> you cheated. Acts chapter 8, verse 25, book of Acts, and when, or I'm sorry, and they when they, this is the apostle, had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of Samaritans, 826, and the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, under the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, I don't know, I've, we'll look at the story some more because it's an interesting story. But I think, I think we've talked about the story. I preached on the story, and I just, I guess I mentioned Gaza, but it was kind of in one ear, out the other. But now that Gaza's on the front headlines of every newspaper in the world, it's kind of like, oh, that's this Gaza. That's the same place. 
So, so Philip says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There's desert there. And as he's going down there, he finds uh, this guy. He's reading a scroll written by the prophet Isaiah. Go down to verse 27. And he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So, so the man literally starts to read the prof- uh, prophecies of the book of Isaiah. Uh, go down to verse, uh, let's see, 28. And he, he, he's obviously reading Isaiah 53. Um, was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet, verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, so Philip feels the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, go near and join thyself to this chariot. I, I don't know. Can I just interject something here? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I'm totally guessing. Philip wasn't going to go talk to this guy. Why am I guessing that? Look at the verse. Because the Spirit told Philip to go near him. I, I'm not saying he wasn't going to go near him, but why does the Bible put in there that the Spirit told Philip to go talk to him? So I'm guessing, you know, I'm just totally guessing, because he's from Ethiopia, he's probably dark-skinned, um, right? He's a eunuch, which is a, that's a whole other conversation for a different day. Um, and, and, you know, he's got all this wealth with him because he's taking care of the money of the queen. There's probably just some cultural thing here, and Philip's probably on his way down, and the spirit says, you know what? You need to go talk to that guy. Okay. Let me ask a question. How many of you, when you've been at a grocery store or at a restaurant or whatever, you know, you know the spirit tells you, God's spirit tells you, Hand that guy a track or invite him to church. Raise your hand if that's happened in the last month. Okay, raise your hand if it's happened in the last week. Raise your hand if it's happened more than once in the last week. <laughs> My hand's up. It's just kind of like we, Amy and I, when we were traveling the other day, we were down in, down in Tennessee, and we brought gospel tracks with us, and we ran out. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying we didn't bring enough tracks. We brought, I don't know, five or ten. Um, and it was just like, Hand that guy a track. You know, trying to figure out what can I give the guy, you know, or whatever. Just talk to him. So my wife, Amy, who is so smart and so resourceful, uh, at the conference we're at, she's going around to all these tables, uh, and she's just stealing tracks uh, from all these different churches and missionaries and stuff. She's like, I don't know. And she's getting them, and she's reading them, and some of them at this conference were not good. The the tracks just weren't clear. You know how I really think we should have clear tracks? Because it's the gospel, right? And I'm almost kind of like, Amy, right now, it's better than nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I hate to hand this out, but it's got John 3, 16 in it. It's got Ephesians 2, 8, 9 or something. So we kind of rifled through them. We found the best of the, best of the worst, I guess, and, and started handing out tracks. I actually called the church at the hotel that one night. I was looking online, and I was looking for a, a Baptist church that, that emphasized, because you could just tell the ones that, that aren't Calvinists. You can just tell. You can tell by their website. And ones that were emphasizing grace and you'd read. And I called this pastor. I called the church. And I left a message. Hey, pastor, I'm in town. We ran out of gospel tracks. Can I stop by your church in the morning to get some tracks? Call me back. I said, Amy, we're just going to drive over there. And he never called me. And so we just drove way out of our way, like 15 miles out of our way, went to this church, pounding on the door, knocking. There was a car there. No one was answering the door. And it's like, I just want some gospel tracks. Uh, and he never came out. Never. And I was like, he never called me back. If someone called me and said, Pastor Dan, do you have any gospel tracks? I'm going to stop by in an hour. What, what do you think I'd be doing? 
I don't know. Good luck. No, I'd be over. Okay, I'll get you some gospel tracks. If you're handing out tracks, let's hand out some tracks. So I just say that because it, it didn't work. So <laughs> next time we're bringing more and more and more tracks. But, but you have that. And so, so God's spirit leads Philip says, hey, you need to go, go hook up next to this chariot here. You need to go talk to this guy and, and do it. And, and verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understand thou what thou readest. So Philip says to this guy, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Do you get this? Um, but obviously he doesn't understand. He doesn't know what he's reading. And he asked Philip to explain it. Verse 31, and he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So Philip here just hops up on the chariot there and starts to explain the prophecies. And, and you know Isaiah 53, right, talking about the Messiah and so forth and, and, and who the Messiah was and, and, and Jesus. This was that guy. So right there, right there, they're on the road that goes to Gaza. This is like Gaza Avenue. There's the road that goes into Gaza. He leads a man to Christ. I think that's just pretty cool. Verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That's so cool. So they must be having this conversation. Go down to verse 36. And he must explain, obviously there's not every word Philip said was mentioned here in Scripture, but they're going over the gospel. He's telling about the whole thing, you know, probably told about the resurrection and the cross and, and, and all that. Verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, ah, oh, see, here's water. What, what hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, well, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I commit myself to Jesus Christ and I've trusted Jesus and accepted him into my heart and I've made a commitment to Jesus and I've spoken it with my mouth and I know that a lot of people have seen me walk forward and I raised my hand and I promise to quit sinning and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Is that what he said? Hello? Is that what he said? You're like, Pastor, what version are you reading? I don't know. <laughs> Not in the King James. And he answered and said, I what? I'm sorry, I what? That's all he did, church. He just said, I believe. I believe it. I, I believe it. Jesus is the Messiah. Not, I'm changing from my works. Not, I'm starting a new life. Not, I'm going to stop doing drugs. Not, I'm going to stop being a weird eunuch thing, whatever, you know. No. It says, I believe. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. I get it. I believe it. That's all he has to say, church. That's it. That's all. That's it. Okay? There's nothing else there. Isn't it interesting when you start to study that and you realize how many times the Bible just says believe and that's all they did? Then it starts to, your eyes kind of open up and you're like, that's right. That's all he did. That, that's it. That's it. So it says, I believe, verse 38. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water. So why do I believe in baptism by immersion? Well, here's a really good verse. They both went down into the water. Uh, it doesn't say they both got sprinkled. They both went into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized them. So it doesn't say he sprinkled them, doesn't say he sprayed them, doesn't say he poured on them. It just says they went into the water. So this man comes to Christ on the road that leads to Gaza. I just think that's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of cool. So don't ever forget, church, um, with all the crazy stuff we read here in the Bible about this, the problems that Gaza's had, God still loves the people of Gaza, okay? God hasn't given up on the people of Gaza. Um, not everyone in Gaza is terrible. Hamas is terrible, Okay, Hamas is ruling the area. 
There's a lot of, you know, families, just like, you know, your family and my family. We've got kids. They're just trying to make a living, trying to get an education, wishing and praying they can get out of that God-forsaken chunk of land. But there they are. And, 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 and God not only says, you know, hey, you pray for the peace of Israel and love Israel, but he also says, you know, love the neighbors too. And Gaza is Jerusalem's neighbor. And, and a lot of times we see this, that, that God sent his servants to Gaza to, to talk about the judgment, to tell them who he was. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think maybe through this, I don't know, someone's going to get saved in this war? I, I hope so. So I, I tell you, I know nothing about churches in Gaza. Does anyone know, like, is there any missionaries in Gaza? I, I don't know. That hospital that was bombed, you know, like a week ago, last, this coming, last week, that was a Baptist hospital. I don't know anything about it except it's a Baptist hospital. That's all I know. It's a Baptist, it says it in the name, Baptist hospital. I don't know. I mean, why doesn't that atheist hospital, you know, right? <laughs> because there's no such thing as an atheist hospital. Uh, but, but people are going to trust Christ somehow. I mean, I just, I pray that, I pray that God gives victory to Israel uh, over the wicked leaders of Hamas, absolutely, of course, but I also pray for the people of Gaza to get saved, right? I want, I want Jewish people to get saved too, just through all this, and people just wake up and get saved. Um, the people, poor people of Gaza, they need to be liberated from Hamas. It's just... It, it, it's, it's slavery, um, it's oppression, it's demonic, it's just, it's just evil. So, um, so when you pray for the people of Hamas, you know, pray for the, the terrorist leaders, um, pray that God would, would, would open their eyes too. I mean, some of them just get saved, I don't know, just, it just, it's just such a mess. So the second question, so that's the first question, all that to answer the first question. Second question um, is this the end times war of Gog and Magog? Well, I don't think so. Um, here's, what, here's what, those of you that were here this summer, you know what we talked about, Gog and Magog. Gog was a leader, Magog is the, is the land, and it lists all the other people that are there, all the other countries that are with them. We know it's Russia and Iran are going to come against Israel. This, I think, is very much a, pr a precursor war. I mean, it's kind of warming up. It's kind of you know, getting things ramped up a little bit. It's kind of wars and rumors of wars. So this is a war and rumors of war. But as of right now, as of today, we haven't seen Russia and I, uh, Iran say, all right, we're going after Israel, okay? And those other countries, a lot of uh, the uh, Turkish countries and so forth. Again, we talked about that this summer. Um, and here's another thing that's interesting too. Remember we talked about this, Ezekiel 37, 38, when Israel has the war of Gog and Magog, no country comes to its aid. That's, that's what the scriptures say. So Israel is alone. They're all by themselves. No one's helping them. And that's when God steps in and says, I'll help you. Boom. Why? So that people know that I'm God. I am so happy our country is helping uh, Israel right now. Of course I am. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that the president, he went over there. Well, of all the crazy knucklehead things that this guy has done, I am so thankful he went. He actually got on an airplane and landed in Israel. That's a miracle, church. And, and let's write the check. I mean, good. Let's write the check. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. We wrote more to Ukraine. I don't get that. But anyways, um, America is helping Israel. In the war of Gog and Magog, America won't be helping Israel. So we're helping them today. So is this the war of Gog and Magog? No, because America's helping. And other countries helping too, probably no doubt. But uh, I, so here's what I would do. In the future, keep your eye on what Israel does with Iran, like we talked about this summer. Um, keep your eye on who's supporting Israel. 
So that's interesting. So maybe the next president of the United States is very anti-Israel. Maybe the next president of the United States, hmm, seems like there's one of them I know of, says, I'm not crazy about helping Israel. <laughs> Who knows who's going to get elected, but I don't know. Just kind of be aware of that. See, see if other countries start to back away. Um, but we know from, the, from Ezekiel that the Russian leaders are going to join with Iran. Uh, not Iraq, but Iran and a lot of those other countries. We talked about that. And of course, that'll happen during the tribulation. We're not going to be here anyways, but it definitely ramps up to that. Take a look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. Matthew 24, verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. So raise your hand in the last two weeks. Have you heard of wars and rumors of wars? Okay, so there we, <laughs> there it is, boom. See that you be not, what's the next word, church? Troubled. Okay, we're not people of fear, we're people of faith. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to hop on an airplane and go fly to Gaza and just start walking around the streets. I mean, <laughs> good way to get killed. Um, but I'm not going to be troubled. Why? Because look at the rest of the verse. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, okay? Um, I'm looking forward to the blessed hope, the glorious return of our Savior. I am not spending my time, I am not spending my energy trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. Why? That is not our job. We are supposed to be looking forward to the blessed hope and glorious return of our Savior and telling the world about that. Is the Antichrist coming? Yeah, with or without you knowing who it is. It just doesn't matter right now. What matters is that Jesus is coming again. Sometimes we're so focused on the bad part of it, you know, the evil part of it. I want to know about Gog and Magog. Well, okay, let's talk about the rapture. Let's, let's talk about the second coming. Um, so that's what, that's what we really need to be focused on, um, and, uh, uh, and that's a big thing. So let's take a look at question number three. We do have a few minutes. Let's see if I can do this. I, I don't, well, we'll see how good I do. Uh, number, question number three that I want to answer tonight is what does Psalms 83? Psalms 83, I don't know, is, is this talk about the current war in Gaza? Well, Psalms 83 is kind of an interesting psalms, um, a little bit of study I did on it. It's, uh, it's a song of Asaph, who was a writer, it's the last one that Asaph wrote, but it's a very interesting psalm which makes people ask about it, because here's why it's interesting. Um, you cannot take Psalms 83 and fit it into the history of the nation of Israel. It's talking about uh, people, uh, talking about armies coming against Israel, but it's not historical. It's not. So it almost kind of leads you to believe it's prophetic, right? Because it, it didn't happen yet. Um, it, it, it's talking about really this demonic hatred of Israel and the lands that are against it. Uh, and the judgment that's coming against every member of these nations that go against Israel. I think Hamas is included in this. Um, I don't know if this is, is necessarily a Psalms that's happening all at one moment, but it's talking about the future, I believe. 83 verse 1, we're going to actually read the whole Psalms, ready? Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God, verse 2, for lo... Thine enemies make a, a, a tumult, and they that hate thee have lined up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against the hidden ones. They have said, come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. We want Israel gone. <laughs> 
Well, Pastor, I don't know. Is the Bible relevant today? Are you, Psalms 83 might as well be the headline of the New York Times. I mean, <laughs> you know, so here we go. I mean, goodness sakes, look at verse 5. For they have consulted together with one consent. They, they are confederated against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and, and the Hagernes, Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, Ashur also is joined with them. They have Holpen, the children of Lot. So, so stop for a second there, those verses, what, 6 through 8. It's, it's telling us who these armies are. Take a look at this map, and it's a little bit hard for you to read it. But here, it's actually showing these are all the things that are listed here, all the, the countries and the people that are listed in Psalms 83. It's all these countries literally right around Israel. The tenants of Edom and the Ishmaelites, that's, that's southern Jordan, that's Arabia. Moab and the Hagarites, that's uh, central and north Jordan. Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, that's Lebanon and Syria and the Sinai Peninsula down below. Uh, Philistia, that's the Gaza Strip. That's what that is. It's the Gaza Strip. With the inhabitants of Tyre, uh, that's more parts of Lebanon, Syria, also joined with them, that's Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq. So we have this, this section here, uh, what, it's 18 verses long, God's warning them, uh, the people that live in these countries, that they're going to hate Israel and the Jewish people. So why do they hate Israel? Why do they hate the Jewish people? Why? Because they hate the God of Israel. They hate the God of the Bible. There is no way in the world, church, we can explain what's going on with Israel if we take God out of the equation. It's, it's a country that's smaller than the state of Wisconsin. What good is it? I mean, literally, what is it that they want? I mean, Iran, Iraq, they've got all this oil. They got, you know, all those areas there just, you know, they're just flooded with oil, you know. Uh, Saudi Arabia, all those areas. What, what do we need Israel for? I mean, literally, what do we need it for? Take God out of the equation. It doesn't make any sense. Um, go back to verse 2. Um, the writer here is telling God, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lined up thy head. They, they have these murderous plans. They're the mortal enemies of Israel, the mortal enemies of God. Verse 4, which we just read, they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. What do you think Hamas wants to do? It's to cut off Israel from all remembrance. I mean, that... It's like, what? Just amazing. It's, it's crazy, though. If we keep reading, though, we see that they're going to lose. Why are they going to lose? Because this is the apple of God's eye. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. <laughs> so you'd think that the people of Hamas would have read Genesis. Psalms 83, go down to verse 13. Oh, my God, make them a wheel. Make them like a wheel as a stubble before the wind. So I just kind of think of a wheel rolling away, the stubble before the wind, like get them out of here, like they're blowing away. Look at verse 14. As the fire burns a wood and as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest and make them afraid with thy storm. In other words, God, would you pursue them with your storm? God, you take care of them. Um, Who's going to win this battle? Well, I kind of have to say Israel's going to because I just, I just think God's got to protect them. I think he just has to. 
Uh, here we have this, they're just seeing this, and it's just, you know, God bring fire upon them, disaster, humiliation, shame. And, and is it, what, just so that they can lose, so Israel can win? No, go down to verse 16. Fill their faces with shame. Why? That they may seek thy name, O Lord. We want them to know who you are alone. That they may, uh, that, that men, uh, 83 verse 18, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. The reason, God, we want you to bring your storm upon them, pursue them with your storm, is so that they'll know that you're Jehovah. They'll wake up, they'll see the errors of their way, they'll know that you're God. That's the only reason. That's it. Not, not just so we can conquer the land and take Gaza. The writer of the psalm says, listen, those people need to know about you too, okay? And God, you may have to just slap them a couple times to wake them up, and that's what's going to happen. So uh, pray for the Palestinians, pray for the Jewish people, uh, pray, for, pray for them to come to Christ too as well, to know that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, pray for those people that are sharing the gospel over there. I have no idea. Someday we'll learn about some churches over there or some underground churches, some people handing out. I don't know what they're doing. I just pray there's some... some Red Cross worker or someone that goes in there with the gospel and someone hears about Jesus, okay? Uh, we, we don't want any more death. We don't want any more destruction. We want people to get saved, all right? That's, that's what we want, right? And that's what our prayer is, okay? We're out of time, but who covered Psalms 83? That was kind of a, a to-do list for me tonight, so we got through it. Um, so let's just really pray. Let's keep praying every day. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, all right? That's your job. That's my job. Let's all do it, all right? So make sure we pray. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.